Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. I am Braden. I'm here with my co-host and brother, Ethan. How's it going? And this week offered yet another tantalizing weekend of football. Some predictable results, some unpredictable results. Arsenal failing to dominate a poor Everton team at Goodison. Predictable. Brighton winning against Man United. Predictable. City coming back and winning a football match. Predictable. Some predictable results in unpredictable circumstances. Sure. Unpredictable <laughs> means by which to get there. Um, before we get into that, Ethan's got... I, I have no idea what this is, but Ethan wants to talk about it before we get into the rest of the stuff. Arteta's goalkeeper rotation concept. I mean, it's rare that a piece of Arsenal news slips by me these days, but I, I have not heard of this. Well, I'm surprised. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll fill you in. So... Arteta, after the Everton game, um, obviously, just for some context, uh, David Raya made his first appearance for Arsenal again, the clean sheet at Goodison Park. Uh, Ramsdale being dropped from the Premier League 11 for the first time in a very long time. He started every Premier League game for Arsenal last year. Turner did not get any starts. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure he played every minute for Arsenal in the Prem last year. I believe I saw a stat where it was something like 50 consecutive games, something like that. Uh, anyway, so with that, obviously, I mean, prior to the game, there were conversations about who would be the number one. They were kind of just accelerated by Rye getting the start here. It's very likely it's just because of the Champions League game midweek coming up. They probably want to have Ramsdale start for that one. Either way... Afterwards, uh, Arteta being you know, questioned about the decision, Arteta actually said that in the past, in his managerial career, which has only been Arsenal in terms of being a head coach, he on two occasions he said that he's regretted not making a goalkeeper substitution you know, in the course hmm. of play, not even just for penalty kicks, which is now becoming a bit more popular. Um, and now it's getting the conversation rolling. You know, are there... Are there certain situations where in a game you might want to actually substitute the keeper? So is Arteta on the verge of a new revolutionary ideology related to goalkeeper substitutions? Or is he just trying like way too hard to be like tactically innovative? Like he's done all the inverted fullbacks. All of his players can play like eight different positions. Now he's <laughs> like he's running out of ideas. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's Havertz's next position is, is goalkeeper. <laughs> Um, we gotta keep trying. Play there than in midfield, to be completely honest, doesn't um, work as a nine, ten, or eight. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep going through it. Left back, center yeah. back. Uh, eventually, figure it out. Um, I mean, I've never consciously thought about substituting a keeper in the middle of a game. However, I mean, come the sixtieth minute, at let's say you're West Ham. Let's say you're West Ham against City, you go up one nothing. It's halftime. Right? You're up one nothing in halftime. You have Ariola, who's a great shot stopper in net. But let's say you have a keeper on the bench who you feel more comfortable playing out of the back with. You're going to get pressed the shit out of by a city team that's losing. Maybe you make that substitution. I don't know. Obviously, maybe you need the good shot stopper because you're gonna be taking pressure anyway, but like I, the thing is with goalkeepers is that, like, 
they're not it, it's like very few skills you know mm-hmm. it's like shot stopping and playing with your feet uh, di- distribution shot stopping and distribution for the most part there's some obviously a goalkeeper iq in there but a, a lot of it is just those two things when it comes to the to the outfield players, there's so many, especially in the midfield. That I mean, most of the time it's midfielders that get substituted because you want to go for defensive, for offensive, offense, for mm-hmm. defensive, things like that. Um, and of course, just bringing on fresh legs, which for a yeah, goalkeeper yeah. is never you know the case. An issue, yeah. It's just like I I doubt you could even find two goalkeepers that are different enough to validate a substitution. You know, like a. Like a pure shot stopper, what comes to mind is like a Tim Cruel because he was often a, a substitution, like a, a shot stopping substitution for keepers versus like, I don't even know, like a smaller guy that is better with his feet, like a Jordan Pickford or something like that. Like, it, it's just hard for me to like set the poles, the end, like ends of the spectrum when it comes to goalkeepers. And I feel like mm-hmm. if you're, if they're not different enough, there's no real reason to substitute. Especially in a league with a team like Arsenal with, you know, Carabao, Champions League, all that stuff. You're going to want to use all five substitutions on, on fresh legs. I think, for me personally, I think he's doing a little bit too much with this one. Mm-hmm. I think that, like you mentioned, it has, there has to be such a specific uh, number of factors being intertwined yeah. in order for it to make sense. First of all, you have to have two goalkeepers who you consider to be pretty much, like, first choice. Like, Ryan and Ramsdale, obviously there's a bit of a pecking order, but both of them, you know, are kind of competing for the first choice goalkeeper spot. So you have to have two goalkeepers who are basically on par in terms of ability. Then you have to, like you mentioned, you have to have two goalkeepers who have different enough skill sets in order to want to make a tactical change. And then, of course, in the game, that tactical change has to be justified. I think in the case of Raya versus Ramsdale, personally, I think one of Ramsdale's weaknesses is uh, in the air and for crosses and corners, um, being aggressive and being able to catch balls. And I mean, Ramsdale, he's a great keeper, but when you compare him to other keepers, he's not necessarily the biggest. So he doesn't have as much of a physical presence. Mm -hmm. He doesn't you know, jump quite as high as, as Gray's collecting those balls. And I think um, in the game against Everton, in the end, Everton, I think, only had one corner in the game, which yeah. worked out really well for Arsenal that they didn't have to defend yeah. a lot of those corners. Um, Surely that was in the plans. I mean, we'll get to the Arsenal game later. But yeah. yeah. But I think it's very possible that regardless of, you know, whether or not Arteta just wanted to give Ramsdale a rest or give Ryan an opportunity, you know, before the Champions League game. I think the game was probably better suited towards Raya just because Arteta probably expected um, his keeper to have to collect a lot of balls in the air and be involved in set pieces, which I think Raya has over Ramsdale. So again, that's just one example of how a certain skill set may be favored over another keeper. Um, So yeah, I... I think it's worth thinking about mm-hmm. at the very least. I think it's something that is a very modern conundrum because previously sure. goalkeepers were just shot stoppers and not much else. Now goalkeepers have a lot of facets to their game. So Teams I think it's worth change goalkeepers for yeah. eight years. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a discussion. I, I thought it was worth, uh, worth talking about at the very least. But at yeah. the same time, I do think he's, he's got just a little bit of that pep gene, just trying to, just trying to overcomplicate things a little bit. <laughs> <sighs> Classic Arteta. And with that, we will move on to some Match Week 5 coverage, starting off with Manchester United 1, Brighton 3. That game would go as such. Danny Welbeck getting it started in the 20th, former Manchester United player for those who are unfamiliar. Uh, Pascal Gross in the 53rd, Jao Pedro in the 71st to make it 3-0, and then Hannibal in the 73rd with his first goal for Manchester United, an academy product. Hannibal is. And that's how it finished 3-1. Man United versus the Man United home fortress versus the Man United has to lose to Brighton Hexes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one had to win, and unfortunately for Manchester United fans, it was the the Brighton Hex that over overpowered on the day. Um but yeah, this was I think this there was that one moment where it it's kind of it was kind of like that uh back to the future like time split where you could see two different things happening in the game mm-hmm. if that cross from Rashford just didn't cross the line and Hoyland yeah. got that goal not only would mm-hmm. it would have absolutely invigorated that united crowd not only to get back in that game but to see Hoyland score his first goal in front of the united mm-hmm. fans it would have completely changed the course of the game that it would have been a reward for United's pressure at the time. It didn't. It got overturned by that fraction of a hair. I think I think it, it was out. I think it's it's kind of clear it was out. That camera's not exactly down the line, mm-hmm. but I think it was clear enough that it was out. If they came back and said it's not clear and obvious, maybe as a Brighton fan I would have felt duped, but like it is very close. Um but they got overturned, stayed one nothing. There was no reward for United's pressure. Eventually, Brighton uh, got a foothold in the game, took over, finished their chances like Brighton does. Even without Estupinan, even without Evan Ferguson, they got the job done of the day. This is this is a Brighton team that I I mean I said it in the preseason podcast. I'm like I have to put you eighth, but you are coming sixth, and that's pretty much what's happening now. Yeah. Um. I think, like you mentioned, um, United were deserving of a goal in that first half, and they were pretty unlucky not to get it there because I thought they were the better team in the first half. Brighton's goal was Brighton's first real attack of the game, and it was a just fantastic, you know, oh, yeah. Brighton goal. I mean, lovely dummy from Adam Lallana, and then just a great finish from Welbeck. Like, it's they just play beautiful soccer, but up to that point, they hadn't played much of it because it was mostly United. Brighton barely got out of their own half. And United were on top for pretty much that whole first half. And I think, like you said, that that goal could have been the momentum shift, and it just wasn't. And they continued to pressure, but I think once Gross put in that second one, that's when Brighton just really took a foothold in the game. And, I mean, there's a... Besides the scoreline, there's a couple things uh, to take out of this one. Um... I mean, some great stats, too. Uh, four consecutive uh, victories for Brighton over United. Um, United have had two home defeats in the league since 
Ten Hag's been appointed, and both of them are to Brighton. Uh, Milner, first player to beat United for four different teams. Um, mm-hmm. I think wow. Danny Welbeck has now scored more goals against United than any former United player. <laughs> so they, they were just cranking these out, which, to be <laughs> fair, the, these outlets love to crank out the stats when United loses. Um, <laughs> it can't be easy being a United fan yeah. after any given loss. Um, but besides that, also, I think it's worth mentioning um, Casemiro being subbed off in, I think, the 64th he was minute. atrocious. Yeah, and like, it's something... Really bad. Yeah, first time he's been subbed off this season. Um, and I can't remember him being subbed off too many times last year. And it's something that I mentioned when we did the panic meter mm. last week. Uh, where I was relatively fair on United. I, wa- I wasn't too harsh on them, but what I did say is that Casemiro's underperformances have been a real worry because, again, he was just the backbone of that team last year. And yeah. the fact that he... It's, it's honestly no coincidence that United's poor performances have correlation with Casemiro's poor performances this year. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think something has to change for Casemiro. Maybe it's just... I mean, he's getting up there maybe it's just that point in his career where you know the legs don't work like they used to before mm, yeah. uh, and maybe maybe time for Almerbat. yeah it just definitely seems like these band-aid guys that that uh erickson casimero uh regulon all these guys who they went to patch up while they rebuilt you know, they're building, you know, building around Fernandez, building around Hoyland, building around Rashford, building around Martinez, building around Onana. They're slowly getting those pieces in, but they still have these, you know, damn fillers, should I say, that that I think they're all starting to crack at once. Casemiro might be the first one. He, obviously, when you bring Casemiro in at his age, even last year, he's not meant to be a, you know, long-term signing. He's not meant to lead this club into the future. He's there to serve his role until you can get a permanent six in there probably a younger one and i think it's those are starting to crack just a little bit obviously uh veron isn't even in this team he, he's another band-aid guy that you're probably going to eventually uh eventually replace but i'm looking i'm just looking at sometimes the way my brain works um i just like the way i make predictions about anything in life about sports about like tests about anything is like i like try to see a vision of like what the world will be like when this happens Mm -hmm. and like it almost feels like i'm seeing into the future and i'm seeing into the future like five or six years and we're gonna see a screenshot of these lineups that i'm looking at and it's gonna be on some man united twitter account and be like wow we were in the trenches three one Welbeck, Lalana, Gross, Lamptey, Veltman, Steele, Adingra. Like, this team bossed United at Old Trafford. This starting 11 cost 18 million pounds. Yeah. It, this, is, this is a trenches performance. Like, I, rem- I remember seeing some Arsenal games in the past where, like, we got we went to, like, Stoke and got bossed by, like, Hesse and, like, mm-hmm. all those motherfuckers over there. Like, and those were, those were, like, the trenches days with, yeah. like, 
like pre like between Ozil and Alexis where we were running like Giroux in there, mm. we were running fucking like uh Flamini running Mo- Monreal running uh Mustafa like all those like that's a that's a trenches performance I can see five years into the future Ethan and that's what this is right here this is crazy I'm not even gonna remember half the guys in this team in like six years I mean that was a trenches performance but I don't think you can say that the squad on paper is a trenches squad I mean they got I mean they have bad injuries right now so a lot of their so you know guys like Varane yeah no that's what I'm saying I'm saying like we this is this is where we came from. Like, uh-huh. these are the squads we were losing to. Not necessarily. I'm not talking about like the squad they had because I I've uh-huh. seen some United squads in the past that were that it's like crazy how like Rooney, Park Ji Sung, like mm. all these like like meaningless play. There's like half the team of guys that like even the diehard United fans won't remember, and they yeah. beat like Chelsea three nothing at Stamford mm. Bridge. Like, th- like it happens. But I'm talking about like this. This Brighton team going yeah. to United, going to Old Trafford and winning 3-1 comfortably and, like, bringing, like, Zhao Pedro off the bench, scoring, like, Billy Gilmore off the bench, James Milner coming off the bench. Like, this is a this is a trenches game. Like, they, you will look back at this. It, if, I, if United fans have any luck, you'll look back at this and laugh. But, yeah, this one, it doesn't look pretty. And it's not going to – I'm seeing into the future, and it's, gonna, it doesn't, it's not going to age well. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's going to look back on this brain squad a couple years time. Yes, there's some Milners and Lana's in there, but, you know, United may be starting, you know, Matoma off their wing in, <laughs> in five years, four yeah. years time once they bought him for 200 mil. Yeah, no, of the domestic assault case like all the other ones. Yeah, no, please, please don't do that to Matomo. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm Matomo, sure now, if anyone, would not have one. Yeah, no, I'm sure if anybody, if they wanted to buy anyone, they're not focusing on actual, like, Skill. winger ability. <laughs> they're just, they're doing a full background check on on these wingers. <laughs> Any friars, talking to family members, friends, like, this guy cannot have a violent bone in their body. No, <laughs> absolutely no anger. Hiring Sherlock Holmes to like do a complete yeah. background security check. No, there's gonna be starting Gandhi on the wing, like <laughs> just just pure wholesomeness. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we gotta move on. Yeah. <laughs> West Ham United one, Manchester City three, uh, and the game went as follows. James Ward-Prowse got it started in the 36th, just after halftime. Jeremy Doku scores his first goal for Manchester City. Bernardo Silva gets the eventual winner in the 76th. And, of course, can't go 90 minutes without Erling Holland putting one in the back of the net. So he did so in the 86th, just to sneak it in there towards the end. Mm-hmm. Not for us, but for him more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's how it finished 3-1 at West Ham. You can copy and paste this, this script. and. Just toss it on any uh, 10 to 15 city games for the rest of the year. Arsenal, fucking Arsenal at home, fucking looting away. It's going to happen. Fulham at home. Like, they concede, if they concede a goal in the first half, the, like, the live odds on, like, FanDuel or whatever should uh-huh. not change. Yeah, no, it's for me, Honestly, like... it should go up. <laughs> the, the win percentage should go up. For me, there's a cycle for when 
City concede first in a game that, you know, I'm not watching when it's against like a non-Big Six club, it's like, oh, wow, okay, City conceded. But you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to carry it away. <laughs> I'm not, I am not turning this game on unless it's still 1-0 by the 80th minute. Then I get, you know, <laughs> then I get anxious and then I get like, you know, I won't watch the game too bad. So I turn it on the 60th minute and then five minutes later they score and then I turn it back off. Like it's, it's, it's the same shit. <laughs> yeah. Their city games are genuinely unwatchable for Arsenal fans this year because it's just too frustrating. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Even though it's the, some of the best football that's ever been played ever in the history of football. It's still unwatchable because you just no. can't stand to watch this team dominate the Premier League. I just watch Brighton instead. They they play just as good as soccer. Exactly. And they don't piss me off. And it's wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not doing they're it with good guys. you know hundred million pound players. <laughs> doing it with Adam. They Milano are actually, the but strings. they didn't pay a hundred million for him. Yeah. <laughs> they're future hundred million, million pound players. Yeah. <laughs> they're all a hundred million if you ask Todd Bowley. Yeah. Um. But yet, jokes aside. There's nothing more consistent in world football right now than this Manchester City team. They look like they're going to win everything again, and I'm not entirely sure who's going to stop them in any competition, uh, let alone the Premier League. Uh, West Ham, on the other hand, I guess uh, going up one nothing at City is nothing to sneeze at. They have been on great form recently and were rewarded with a one-goal lead for forty minutes, for at least 20 minutes, I think. Uh, yeah, 10 minutes it was. Um, mm. <laughs> but James Ward-Prowse signing of the season so far. Can you think of any others that would be up there? He's up there. I think him and Madison, uh, Madison probably. Yeah. I mean, Madison just picked up a uh, Player of the Month. So, but James Ward-Prowse. I mean, he's been fantastic, and I mean, two goals, and neither of them have been free kicks yet. So, <laughs> still got four I mean, in his back pocket. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's he's been great. Um. He's he's. I mean, when you think of Ward Prowse, you're thinking more, uh, you know, deep line playmaker. But he's, yeah. I mean, this late run into the box. I mean, you know, and the finish, the stooping header. I mean, that's you know a finish that any number nine would be proud of. And yeah. <clears throat> made a similar score in a similar fashion uh, against Brighton. Again, just making that late run to the back post. So Ward Prowse. You know, just adding, uh, you know, non set piece goals to his game, uh, yeah, that's a dangerous sight because from set pieces, we're proud of set pieces alone is worth the thirty million they paid for him. So, mm. we're proud, certainly up there for signing the season so far. I think only reason I wouldn't say so is just because so many other players on West Ham are. Have just mm. contributed so much too. Alvarez is slotting next to Ward Prowse seamlessly, um, and then Bowen playing great Bowen's as per there. usual. Antonio staying healthy more than anything, and also, <laughs> I mean, when Antonio is healthy and can stay on the field for long stretches of time, I mean, this is the level he can play at. It's just about him being healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, it shouldn't be surprised that we're seeing these types of performances. From him, and then Kudus, who came off the bench in this game, didn't really have a huge impact just because they were mm -hmm. backs to the walls by the time he came on. Um, but yeah, Kudus, fantastic player. I mean, I've talked him up a bunch. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of lot of things to be happy about for West Ham. And then another player I want to mention is Ariola, not a new signing, 
But another oh, he's been besides great. the besides yeah. the Bernardo Silva goal, which I'm sure he would have wanted to do a little bit better on. A little bit. He was fantastic in this game, and he's been really, really good for them all season. So every, everybody's doing their part in this West Ham team right now, and it's a loss, but it's the city. What can you do? Yeah. They had 29 shots in this game. Yeah. That is fucking ridiculous. That's a shot every three minutes. Like, grow up. Fucking, like, work <laughs> the ball around. Stop shooting. Like, maybe that's why they only scored mm. three goals and waited so long. Out here telling Pep what to do. <laughs> and finally, last marquee matchup of the week. Spurs 2, Sheffield United 1. This was not a marquee matchup for 97 minutes, but it certainly turned into one in the last three. This was, I, I mean, I, I believe I saw somewhere, but I can only imagine it was the latest comeback of all time in terms of, uh, you know, two goals to win it. I know yeah. fucking they did it against Leicester a couple of years ago. That was all that pretty rivaled it. That might be <laughs> the second, honestly. Um, is that Bergwijn, right? Yeah, Bergwijn. Both of them? Um yep. But yeah, this is... Yeah. Spurs, I mean, as much as I dislike Spurs as an Arsenal fan, they deserve this. They've been in, in the dumps for a while now. And this see, these first five weeks have been not only deserved from the kind of football they're playing, but they, Spurs fans have been owed this for a while. It's been since the... Really since the... uh you know, Lucas Mora and Luke and the Champions League final, it's been it's been dark days for for where they should be. You know, mm. this new stadium, new era, really hasn't worked out the way they'd hoped. And this first five games has breathed new life into the entire fan base, capped off by this absolutely limbs moment, um, to win it against Sheffield United. I mean, it doesn't really matter what the opponent is. Yeah. Arsenal almost tore down the stadium when they came back to be Bournemouth last year, so who were dead last one? Yeah, <laughs> when yeah. we made the comeback, um, we didn't get it. It does not matter. It does not matter. Um, but yeah, this was what a, what a. I mean, everything. It it's like every aspect of football is really coming together for Tottenham. Mm. They have the morale. They have the quality. They have the finishing. I mean, they got they got Richarlison a goal. Like anything is possible. Like they could go on to win the league. <laughs> Like, like, cue Kevin Garnett clip. Anything is possible. Like, this is, uh, this is, Ange is like him for for that. Like, wow. If you if you can get, I mean, when Richarlison scored, like, I would have put my whole life savings on them coming back and winning. Like, magic's in the air. The pixie dust is mm. is falling from the sky. Like, something's happening today. It is a blessed day in North London, and sure enough. Uh, Dan Kulishevsky gets the winner in the hundredth minute, thanks to the new uh, Premier League extended extra time rules that teams have been definitely taking advantage of this far yeah. this season. Um, but yeah, a lot of credit to Spurs on the day. No, you ha- you have to be pleased for Spurs. Um, yeah. well, you don't necessarily have to. When I saw ha- you the don't result, have to. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you don't, don't have to. Let, be. Let's be clear. You don't have to. I mean, just to give you some context for my experience in relation to this game, I was uh, I was watching some of the games as I was uh, walking into Camp Randall Stadium for the Wisconsin football game, where there's not very good uh, cell service, and as I'm walking up. It is the 96th minute I'm looking on uh, the Prem app. 
And it's still 1-0. I'm walking in, great mood, about to watch a you know, Wisconsin football game, great atmosphere. Tottenham's about to lose to Sheffield United. Then, like, half hour later, you know, I managed to get a bit of service in there and see and see the scoreline, and I nearly threw up. Um, <laughs> it, it, it completely ruined the game. I couldn't give a shit that Wisconsin won. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that was my rough experience. That's never easy from an Arsenal fan perspective. But, um... I guess I, I guess I'll have to praise Tottenham a little bit. Yeah, no, uh, but all, all, all jokes aside, um, I mean, you pretty much just said, "Oh, what a win for Spurs." I mean, it's kind. I mean, they've they've won the easy way. They've won now the hard way this year. You need you need a bit of both. You know, if yeah. you know you have top four aspirations, these are the types of games. You know, you need to win. They. Yeah, credit to Sheffield United because um, they didn't give Spurs that many big chances in this game. They made Spurs fight for it, but eventually they were just worn down and Richarlison got free in the middle of the box. I mean, didn't do anything crazy. Not like a crazy drop of the shoulder and then there was like a pick and then the defender just couldn't get there. Uh, Maybe it was Basham, I forget who it was marking me on the corner, but just lost him, just lost his concentration. And I mean, that's what happens in the 97th minute of games where you're just defending the entire time, parking the bus. You know, cracks start to happen, and Richarlison took full advantage. And then, of course, the Kulosevsky goal. Um, I think Spurs are still one result away from being real deal. And of course, they've got. Arsenal at the Emirates this would coming be the up result. this weekend. And that certainly would be their real... For me, I mean, for some people, you know, Spurs have already proven themselves after five games. They had that win against United, which I guess now isn't looking quite as impressive, but still. <laughs> um, <laughs> still a very good result. Um, but yeah, I think... And we'll get to the the preview of that game in a second but that for me would be the ultimate like statement of you know this these first five games are not a fluke like this is what we're about yeah yeah I mean I think I I don't think they're a fluke um I, I said it last week I don't think they're a fluke in this uh, not I, I don't I think this is more of a fortunate concoction of luck and finishing ability and magic that Spurs have had so far. I, I don't really, this comeback is, I'm not going to say it's, you know, they deserved this win and, you know, justice comes. I think they probably deserved a point at most, but so I, I'm honestly, this game I'm not, is not contributing to my Spurs are back agenda right now, but um, I just love the way they played football. It's, uh, I said it a hundred times. It's like a completely different team. It's like I'm watching eleven different players than I, than they were out there last year. Everyone, guys in different roles. Basuma was unplayable last year. Now he's unplayable for the right reasons this year. Um, it's just it's been brilliant, and I've certainly never heaped this much praise on Spurs before for multiple reasons. One, because I am biased, and two, because they haven't played this well. 
I, I generally can't remember the last time I saw the Spurs team play this well. Um, certainly not since the Pochettino days. So I only I can, I, one Braden can only hope that it ends within the next week. But for now, yeah, plenty of praise for Spurs. And I don't want to I don't want to seem too pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in regards to Spurs, but it's just because it's really just because we've seen it before last season. Um, just a little, uh, you know, food for your thought. Um, barring a Tottenham win at the Emirates this weekend, they will be no better off after six games than they were last year. They had 14 points after six games last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But they passed the eye test this year, which for me, they do pass the eye test. Yeah. At least they're playing a different brand of soccer. Last year they were playing, uh, less attractive brand of soccer but just they were playing it well then they just completely lost they just lost the plot (laughs) but it just goes to show just just don't get too carried away Spurs fans sure that's all sure (laughs) with that we'll take you around the grounds to round out match week five starting off with Wolves one Liverpool three Huang Hee Chan who has gotten his name on the score sheet quite a bit recently um, opens the scoring in the seventh minute, uh, into halftime, one nothing. Then Gakpo in the fifty-fifth, Andrew Robertson in the eighty-fifth, and then I believe it was Elliot. It says Hugo Bueno on goal, but I, it was it came from an Elliot shot, um, yeah. to make it three-one. And Mo Salah three assists. Liverpool yeah, nah. already revving up the Salah <laughs> assist merchant agenda. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this one pretty similar to their not similar but similar in in nature to their comeback wins in the in the past kind of starting off very slow especially away from home like they did at Newcastle um dominating possession as you might imagine against a poor Wolves team but eventually using their quality to find the back of the net from I don't know how Andy Robertson got that high up the field but I'm sure they're well it was from a corner was. so oh, it was from a corner okay sure yeah um still I Unless he was taking the corner, I don't know why he was there. <laughs> he should be one of those guys back that's covering for Van Dyke. Um, but yeah, this is pretty standard for Liverpool. You want to copy and paste the City results, you might as well copy and paste these results for the next uh, 38 games, 32 games. Fulham 1, Luton Town 0. Uh, breaking news the Premier League consensus worst team loses a football match. Uh, this time at the hands of Carlos Vinicius and Fulham, one nothing. The final score, seventy eight percent possession for Fulham. Um, really, not much to write home about for Luton in this game. At this point, for Luton, you're looking for a little bit of a spark to just ignite a base of points to to work off come survival time. And right now, zero points from five, not very pretty for again the Premier League's consensus poorest team, but. Fulham making the most of their two games against Luton Town this year, taking three points here, moving up to 10th in the, in the league, which is probably where their quality sets them. I genuinely didn't know this game had happened until like Sunday afternoon. Like I was so called <laughs> up. I mean, I mean that, that like mid afternoon slate of, yeah. of games with like the West Ham, the Spurs, Tottenham uh, City, game, Spurs, the, Brighton. 
the United yeah. game. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, there was so much now. going on. Like, and Villa. Was like, <laughs> that game was crazy, too. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we haven't even talked about it yet, as you yeah. know, we're about to get into it. But, yeah, I it was like Sunday afternoon. I was like, I don't remember Luton playing. What, what the hell happened <laughs> with that? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Aston Villa 3, Crystal Palace 1, like we were saying. Um, again, very boring game until the uh, last... 15 minutes as it turned out. Uh, Hudson Odwari getting the scoring started at Villa Park in the 47th. Then Jan Duran with a thumping volley to equalize, reinvigorating the Villa crowd. Then Douglas Louise penalty that was borderline. Did you see anything? I did not. Okay, yeah, it was. It was. I was watching this game live. Um. Probably should have watched the Spurs game, but for some reason I was watching this one. And at this point, the City game was over. Um, yeah, this was... It was one of those you can't really overturn it either way. That, like, it's not clear and obvious to overturn. But I think it was Chris Richards, the American, who uh, who gave it up, which is sad to see. But, yeah, this was... It was definitely borderline and could see the case either way. I would say no pen, but really splitting hairs. Uh, but Douglas Louise, who didn't realize he was a penalty taker, I assumed my fantasy guy, Ollie Watkins, would be taking it, which is why I popped mm. off the couch. Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> um, and then Leon Bailey seals it. Bailly. Bailey. Bailey. Not Bailly. Bailey. Leon Bailey seals it in the 101st. To take it from one nothing to three one and just spend a fifteen minutes taking all three points. Newcastle won. Brentford nil. A very Newcastle-y win. Taking making the most of their chances, earning a clean sheet. Maybe not so Newcastle this year as they have. I think this is one of their first clean sheets in the season, if not their first. Um, I know this because I stacked Botman and Pope in my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this was very reminiscent of Newcastle wins of last year. Um, breaking down teams at home, very stingy defensively, getting three points, especially against a good Brentford team that's had some hot players up front. Mbuomo, uh, Visa, Rico Henry off the left have been all playing really well, generating chances and to shut them out. Newcastle of last year, not of this year, but it's nice mm-hmm. to see them back on the defensive end. Bournemouth nil, Chelsea nil. Our first nil-nil of the season. Yay. And who else but Who would have guessed? <laughs> <laughs> um, to help us with that one. Uh, I, I mean, Chelsea should have scored. Bournemouth should not have. They sh- Chelsea should have won this game. Like, this is just what we say every week about Chelsea, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of talent that's not necessarily playing poorly. They just... You are playing poorly, unfortunately, if the ball does not go into the big white rectangle and the ball's not going into the big white rectangle. And it doesn't matter how many flare, you know, inch perfect passes Enzo Fernandez plays. If the ball doesn't go into the big white rectangle, there's no real reason for you to be out there. And right now, the ball's not going to the big white rectangle and there are questions to be raised. And mainly, at least on Twitter, about their guy up top who's supposed to be the main guy putting the ball into the big white rectangle, Nicholas Jackson, who had a poor game last week and another particularly poor game this week. And it's been a little bit of a tug of war between Chelsea fans on Twitter this week, at least what I saw between 
back Nicholas Jackson and why the fuck haven't we signed a striker yet? Um, also a little bit of, you know, wait for Nkuko to come back, but that's kind of like a, that's actually a based opinion. So we don't really focus on those. We focus on the incorrect opinions, which are why yeah. haven't we signed a striker yet? Which is not, that, that's not necessarily incorrect. You spent a billion pounds. Why didn't you sign a striker? And back Nicholas Jackson, which is not necessarily also incorrect. It's just not based. So, um, all in all, standard week at Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> they currently sit 14th, right under Manchester United in 13th. Everton, nil. Arsenal, one. A fixture that Arsenal fans just grin, grit their teeth and bear for 90 minutes every single year since Goodison Park opened. And it's been a while. And when, you, when, I, when I turn this one on, you just, as an Arsenal fan... At least an experienced Arsenal fan, you just take mm. a deep breath because it's going to be a long fucking 90 minutes. And it was a long fucking 90 minutes. We never go there and play well. They went there, didn't play well. But eventually, because this is a different breed of an Arsenal team, Landry Trossard flicked the ball into the net by the grace of God. And you sprint out of Goodison with three points when you can. And that's exactly what they did. Obviously, the numbers favorite Arsenal 13 shots, 74% possession. Double the passes, no real XG for Everton. However, that really never matters because that's exactly what happened last year and they lost, what, 2 nothing, one nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've celebrated a non-last-minute winning Arsenal goal more than I celebrated that Trossard goal. I was yeah. just absolutely ecstatic to... To break the deadlock at Goodison Park, my <laughs> my roommate was looking at me like I was crazy, but but it is it's just so difficult to get that goal. I mean, I guess just for Arsenal, for yeah. most other teams, it's not really. But I mean, no. the disappointment like when the Martinelli teams. goal Fulham was goes there and too. wins like six one every year, and I'm I'd, every year I'm like, how do you fucking do it? How do you find? Where's your Brighton went there and won like five one last year? Yeah, like at the end of the year, like how the how do you do it? How do you, maybe it's just like they just circle Arsenal on the calendar and they're like, when in doubt, we will give them a fucking headache every fucking year. Mm. I don't know, but they sprinted out of there with three points, and that's all that really matters. I, at Everton, like usually when you play a uh, when Arsenal play a bottom three team, I want to see some f- finesse. I do. Like, I, I, I'm almost never like, okay, we got out of there with three points. Usually I'm ready, raising concerns about the next week if we put in a poor performance and get three points. I remember, like, Watford games and things like that in the years past. I could not care less how they got three points. I really yeah. – this game means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of how I think of Arsenal because it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy every year. I don't really believe in curses. I'm not a very superstitious person. Mm. However, I do believe in self-fulfilling prophecies and this, like – thing you get in your head when you go to a certain stadium and can't win a soccer match and it's just like this again the self-fulfilling prophecy and i'm so glad to have seen that broken so we can like actually start mm. playing good football at goodison again maybe um but we're, we've talked about this for too long but yes yeah. <laughs> i'm happy about this win um and last but not least a game that if you didn't watch the fulham game maybe you Almost certainly didn't watch this one today. Uh, Nottingham Forest won. Burnley won. Um, I'm going to try this. Zeki Amaduni in the 41st to give Burnley the one nothing lead. Um, 
And then a man you may have remembered, Callum Hudson Adoy, has done the rounds in Europe, found himself back at Nottingham Forest, and wasted no time getting on the board with his first goal. Lyle Forster, Foster getting a red card in the 94th minute, incidentally. Um, but the game would add 1-1, probably deserving result considering two performances on the day. Stats pretty similar. Um, Burnley, one point through five games, probably not where a lot of even neutral fans thought they would be, sitting 19th just above Luton Town. But Nottingham Forest sitting eighth right now. So if you didn't believe in Nottingham Forest, maybe you should start believing. They did lose Brendan Johnson. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good point for Burnley considering Uh where Nottingham Forest are and where Burnley are and the fact that it was at Forest. So I think for me, the main takeaway from this game is that Rival fans will find any context in any way to talk about the fact that Mudrick has not scored yet. <laughs> uh, the Callum Hudson, the Doy goal. I mean, rival fans are just. Yeah, no, it's. Actually, Hudson, the Doy has left Chelsea. <laughs> come, <laughs> come back to the press. <laughs> like they were, oh, they are just, they're just feasting. Like M- Mudrick has to score. Like. <laughs> Like just throw Mudrick up top, like until he it's until one him, accidentally bounces off his foot. You gotta give him a pen. That's what they did for Pepe. You gotta give him a pen. Yeah. It gets him off the yeah. schneid. Also, um, another yeah. not, since we were talking about Pepe, just again another another thing for you listeners. <laughs> if a new winger, if a new expensive winger comes to the prem and makes their debut at Anfield and they play really well. Don't read into it. <laughs> just just don't. It happened to Pepe. Mudrick's happened in Mudrick too. Like after Mudrick's uh debut at Anfield, Arsenal fans are saying, like, oh my god, Mudrick would have won us the league. Like, stop. You know what? Just don't let any winger make their debut at Anfield. So yeah, that's just Noted. a PSA. <laughs> and with that, we will round out. Our match week five coverage. Let's roll right into match week six coverage. Just one prediction this week, and it's the big one: the North London derby at the Emirates Stadium, Arsenal versus Tottenham Hotspur. Ethan, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, we already talked about a little bit earlier when we were talking about the Spurs game that this would really just be a statement of intent if Spurs were able to get a win here, or even just a very good draw uh, at the Emirates um, this early in the season. The end of year implications aren't huge, but with both teams playing really well right now and level on points, you know, the bragging rights are, you know, as up for grabs as ever. So both teams on really good form. It may have just been a 1 0 win at Goodison for Arsenal, but again, it was just getting over that hump. And they actually looked pretty good. The fact that they only conceded one corner in that game is very very promising they managed that game really well you know after the trossard goal you're expecting to just like hunker down and have to just pray tarkowski doesn't get his head on anything um but they they managed that game really well and arsenal have been looking pretty good especially in the last couple games since the disappointing fulham draw honestly i don't think there's anything between these two teams right now i'm expecting some goals. I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. That would be a fun game. 
for a neutral. It will be a fun game, no matter what. I think this will be a fun game. I, I'm rarely this clueless about a prediction. Like I gen, because Arsenal are not playing their best soccer right now. Uh, like obviously they're not going to go to Everton and play their best soccer, but they are coming off that performance, so it's not exactly a confidence booster. Um, that Fulham draw was dreadful. They played against well against United, but left it very late. wasn't comfortable at all. So they're not playing the best soccer right now. I, you know, Arsenal played better soccer in the last couple of years. Um, Tottenham are playing the best soccer they've played in. I'm going to say close to three years, maybe four. So right now, if this game is played in a vacuum of no fans, I think Spurs have a slight advantage. That being said, Arsenal in the Derby at home recently have been pretty good because the atmosphere has been great. I could see Arsenal winning this game 2 nothing. I could see Spurs winning this game maybe not 2 nothing, but definitely one nothing. And I could see, as you said, a draw. <clears throat> I think I'm completely crap shooting here, but I will say nil nil. Wow, nil niller. Nil niller. I can't remember the last time Arsenal were in a nil niller. But in North London Derby. Nil nil. Alright. We will see. Um, and to round out the podcast, I do not know because Ethan said he's got a quiz for me, so I'm going to pass it on to Ethan and he's going to round out the podcast for us. Yeah. So, uh, not too many times where I'm running the closing segment, but, uh, this week, uh, marks the start of the UEFA competitions, the Champions League, the Europa League and the newly introduced Europa Conference League. And it happens every season. Um, yeah, <clears throat> one of the big six teams underperforms, does not qualify for Champions League this year was Liverpool. And of course, the rival fans are going to mock them because they have to play in Europa League and go to some far-fetched countries in some not very well-known cities. Often, you know, rival fans will say they're playing in Narnia and shit like that. <laughs> Um, and so what I have for you today, Brayden, is a list of cities that are either house Europa League or Europa Conference League teams, or they're from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. you're going to have to determine <laughs> which ones are which. And uh, I'll also give you the option if you want. I'm going to pronounce them the best I can. If you want, I can type. Or I can uh, put the actual spelling in the chat if that helps for any given one. Okay. If you uh, if you really need so, I will say I often back my geography. For okay. a not self-proclaimed geography person, my geography is decent. And how do you back your Lord of the Rings knowledge? <laughs> Zero. I know okay. nothing about Lord of the Rings. I have not Good. seen a second of Lord of the Rings in my entire life. I, I was kind of banking on that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um. All right. So, without further ado, let's get into it. First one, is, I'm going to go a bit of rapid fire because there's, uh, there's like 12, 13 uh, okay. names here. So, first we'll go with Luhansk. Luhansk. Is that Lord of the Rings yeah. or uh, Lord of the Rings? That sounds like Poland. It sounds like Poland. 
So I'm going to say, not only is it real, I'm going to say Poland. Okay. All right. So real. Okay. Um, next one, Minas Tirith. That's Lord of the Rings. That sounds like a dragon lives there. There's dragons All in right. Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm not... I just thought, what's a, what's a fantasy series that will have... Yeah, you could know, do Game of Thrones, just, too. Yeah, but. I looked at Game of Thrones. They didn't have enough cities. Lord of the Rings have more cities sure. to choose from. So, uh, yeah. Sure. All right, I'm next one. Uh, Astana. Lord of the Rings. That sounds very Dungeons and Dragons-y. All right, next one, Bellariand. Bellariand. I'm going to say real because of the Belarus connection. I feel like I'm perfect right now, by the way. All right. Well, let's see. All right, next one is Lugano. Oh, that could be either one. I'm going to say real. All right, next one, Kazad dash doom with like a weird accent mark i'm gonna type this one in the chat just for your <laughs> just for your sake wow would the would the hollywood exec go as far as to name it that <clears throat> i'm gonna say yes that is lord of the rings lord of the rings all right next one arnor that's fucking lord of the rings that sounds like lord of the rings all right next one farum See, that also sounds like Lord of the Rings, but for the, like, multiple choice policy of not putting too many Lord of the Rings in a row, I'm going real. Going real? All right. Next one, Limasol. Real. Sounds like All European right. City. Next one, Erebor. You did a good job with this, I'm not going to lie. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> All right, down to the last three. Gothenburg. That's got to be Germany. That's real. Oh, wait, no. I would know if it's Germany. Wait, no. Lord of the Rings. Could be like like Austria or something, but yeah. I'm going to say Lord of the Rings. Next one, Isengard. Lord of the Rings. I feel like I put too much Lord of the Rings. (laughs) And for the last one, uh, Birmingham. This is a thinker, actually. It's Birmingham. Is there, is there a Birmingham? I know Birmingham, England, but Birmingham is not. Oh, wait. Wait, hold on. Yeah, wait. That's that's Acevilla. Yeah, wait. <laughs> that's real. <laughs> <laughs> that was just supposed to be a like, joke at the end. Why? I, was, I can't believe I you were thinking, thinking about it that much. I, 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 was like, I was thinking Birmingham City. I'm like, obviously, they're not anything. And I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> All right. All right, so let's let's tally up the scores here. Um, well, you know you got at least one right at the end there. Um, all right, so what what do you think you got? At, first of all, out of thirteen, out of thirteen, I will say out of twelve because Birmingham was right. So out of yeah. twelve, I think I got seven right. Well, I'm happy to report, Brandon, you actually knocked this one out of the park. You got if we're going just based off of twelve, not including the Birmingham, you got ten out of the twelve right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Was the was the accent one Lord of the Rings? Um, that one was Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Wow. Look at me. So the two ones you got wrong were Astana 
which really that is real. uh yep UEFA Conference League There's FC still Astana that live there. Well, I guess what country you're based out of? FC Astana, mm. like Lithuania maybe. Uh, Kazakhstan. <laughs> oh wow, they're in the they're in Europe. Wow, I thought they were in Asia. Um, then the other one you got wrong was Bellerian. That was uh, Lord of the Rings. You thought that one was real. Mm. Um, uh, Belarus. So that was a Belarusian city. But yeah. Um, you know, you did well with the uh, Arnor and Erebor. You uh, you yeah. spot you spot those. Uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to include them, but I didn't want to make it like too too hard because I thought mm. I'll put those in. We'll see if uh if you recognize the Lord of the Rings language. <laughs> um. Even I kind of know, because I've heard of, like, Mordor and, like, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Mordor, I think I would have got, but, like, is yeah. that the name main I, city, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. No, that's that's the only one I recognize. And, again, I had to look right. through the list of Lord of the Rings cities <laughs> for this. So, uh, but, no, you did you did very, very well here. Yeah. Like, 10 out of, 10 out of 12. I mean, that is that is a very, very respectable score. So I'll take that. Yeah. I've well done, done well done. on finance tests, many of finance tests, so. Yeah. So, uh, just just for um, just again to wrap up, I'll tell you where the um, where the real ones were from. So Luhansk, uh, Zoria Luhansk was the club from Ukraine. Astana, Ukraine, we already talked sure. about. Uh, Lugano, that's FC Lugano, um, from the Swiss league, Farum, um. Playing the Conference League, that's uh, FC uh, Nordish, whatever the fuck land in yeah. Denmark. Um, I thought maybe that one you, uh, I mean, you oh. got that one right, but I thought, you know, off chance, you know, from uh, your time in Denmark, might have known that one. Norris. Um, oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They were in a in a title battle with uh, FC Copenhagen. That's how yeah. I, I remember that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Limassol were uh, out of. Uh, Cyprus, that was an interesting mm-hmm. one, and then uh, Gothenburg, where uh, BK Haken was the club from Sweden. So, mm. okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Gothenburg, Gothenburg, yeah, that definitely they would have put a little more Lord of the Rings flair on it than Gothenburg. I thought. Oh wait, yeah, you didn't. Oh, actually, you know what? Oh, you got 9 out of 12, not 10 out of 12. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't wrong. think I got that one right. I was like, yeah, about it. no. Because I was about to say, like, I'm surprised you got that one because I thought that one would have tripped you up, but it did. Yeah. Because <laughs> that sounds very Lord of the Rings, Gothenburg. Yeah. I feel like, um, yeah. Anyway, now that I have to go watch Lord of the Rings and be like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, we were out of the podcast for this week. Match week six coming up. I mean... At least for me, North London Derby, that's like my Super Bowl, so I will be glued yeah. to the TV set. It's going to be first time in a while that both me and Ethan and our father will be in separate rooms for a North London Derby, um, but I'm sure through the airwaves of football, we will be the sensations will be felt Certainly across the, the fir- <laughs> Midwest and Northeast. Certainly the first time we're all in different places for an Arsenal Champions League match. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I think it's the um, first time we all have facial hair for an Arsenal Champions League match. <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. And, and with that, we'll round out the podcast for this week. Adios. See ya.